That's all I'm saying. Like, if I was sweating to the oldies for, like, decades, at some point, I don't want to sweat to those oldies anymore. I just want to chill. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Um, I was going to say I, I want to apologize, but yeah, you know me. I don't want to apologize. Uh, maybe you're hearing this episode a little later than you expected to. And there is good reason for that. And we're going to talk about that uh, towards the end of the episode. Might be worth sticking around for. Um, but today we are reviewing um, an exciting new series. No, we're not reviewing exciting new series. We are reviewing the fourth <laughs> installment in Chuck Wendig's Miriam Black series. Um, this one is entitled Thunderbird. If I mean, you can listen. We're going to try to keep it as spoiler free as we can. But you may want to go back and if you're really interested, see what the other books are. Maybe read some of the other books because, I mean, just the fact that there's a fourth book is a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't been keeping up with the series, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. So here is a, here is a, a good bit about uh, the author, Chuck Wendig. Uh, he is the New York Times bestselling author of Star Wars Aftermath, which we reviewed here, as well as the Miriam Black thrillers, which we reviewed here. The Atlanta Burns books and the Heartland Young Adult series, alongside other works across comics, games, film, and more. A finalist for the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer and the co writer of the Emmy nominated digital narrative Collapsus. He is also known for his popular blog, TerribleMinds.com, and his books about writing. He lives in Pennsylvania with his family. That's some um, prestige right there. He also wrote the, the book Zeros, which was kind of a one off, and we reviewed that one as well. So this is the sixth, sixth Chuck Wendig book then, yeah. That we've reviewed, yes. So yes, yeah. The three Miriams, then we did the Star Wars, then we did Zeros, yeah. So this is the sixth book by him that we're reviewing. Now the first three, I want to point out, we reviewed within the course of one month. <laughs> so oh, we, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we really I forgot spread about out. That. We spread out the other three. <laughs> it was Chuck Wendig month because then was, we had yeah. him on for an interview. Yeah. Yeah, that was an entire month of Chuck Wendig. And I think it was the first year we won the This Is Horror Award um, for Podcast of the Year. So it was 2012, 2013, something like that. 2013. Yeah. Oh, Rob, we have a we have a key alert, awards alert, um, yeah. results coming soon. Soon? For the This Is Horror Awards. Yes, hmm. soon. All right. I'm going to guess we didn't win it. <laughs> and it's I all mean, because of a hashtag This Is Rigged. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it. That's probably what happened. It's probably rigged. But I'll I'll take the hit on that one <laughs> for not knowing not knowing how time zones work. <laughs> they um, try to con <clears throat> they try to confuse you. First they want ID when you go to vote, then they change time zones. It's it's a whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Hashtag this is rigged. Mm. All right, just took a nice sip of my beer. I'm ready to tell you what this book is about. So, <clears throat> here's the synopsis we pulled off of Amazon. In the fourth installment of the Miriam Black series, Miriam heads to the Southwest in search of another psychic who may be able to help her understand her curse, but instead finds a cult of domestic terrorists and the worst vision of death she's had yet. Miriam is becoming addicted to seeing her death visions, but she's also trying out something new, hope. She's in search of another psychic who can help her with her curse, but instead, wow, that's weird. This is the synopsis and this is the same thing twice. But instead finds a group of domestic terrorists in the deadliest vision yet. I don't know why they did this. This is literally what I pulled off of Amazon, and it repeats. <laughs> I have to go. I'm going to go right now to Amazon. I didn't do anything. That's literally, yeah. All right. Well, they're really underlining the part about um, looking for another psychic and having the worst vision of uh, death to date. They opted to do that instead of using the all-important exclamation point, which is how you know people oh. are serious, I think is what, what happened. Or like bolding. Bolding the text sometimes yes. works. Yep, that works all too. Caps, all caps could have done it. Mm -hmm. They we, chose and, to repeat. And all, of the things, all of the things you mentioned can be found in our notes that we're sharing right now. <laughs> That's exactly how we <laughs> use them. Um, so yeah, this one I'm going to predict. Because psychics. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be... <laughs> we're going to be short on what plot we can reveal because there's a lot of stuff that's like just will spoil the story. Um, so we're probably going to we're probably going to dispense with like the general story pretty quickly. Um, but I am going to definitely insist that there be some spoiler talk in this book because there's just some stuff we need to talk about. So, uh, Liv, do you want to kind of start off with how we start off? 
Yeah, so um, this book kicks off, um, I guess we should mention, this is in the notes, Rob actually read, I didn't know this was a thing, quite honestly. There was a novella titled Swallow that bridges um, the last book, The Cormorant, and this one. Um, And in that one, Miriam is in Colorado, and she's uh, on the trail of Mary Stitch. Uh, Mary is the psychic that's mentioned um, who can help her understand her curse. And really, that's probably worded poorly. She's supposed to be able to cure her curse. Um, So this picks up with Miriam out for a leisurely jog because she's trying to better herself by quitting smoking and being out running. And she encounters... Um, a, a, a situation. Um, she she finds a, a woman and, and her young boy, and when uh, when she approaches them because they're near her car, like shit goes down. Like the woman gets really defensive, and and there's you know some things happen, and then someone starts shooting at them. <clears throat> yeah. So this is all right. So I'm just gonna say right up front, this is a difficult situation to. Um, describe, but uh, people who have read previous Miriam Black books um, will know what I'm talking about. If you haven't and you're listening to this, you've definitely done shit out of order because there's books to read and, and earlier reviews to, to listen to, but um, essentially Miriam, uh, in, in this weird kind of confrontational interaction with the, the woman that she runs into, touches her, which causes her to see her death, which is happening within a matter of seconds from <laughs> when she touches her, um, with gunfire, and so Miriam's like in the moment got to like be like oh shit and react to trying to change what's about to happen because shit goes down, um, and so not only does the woman she's confronting or is who is confronting her I guess is more accurate have a gun and is a threat but also it sounds like there's guns coming from from um, somewhere else like there's shots coming from somewhere besides between the two of them so. Um, she, through her vision of this woman's death, um, is in this panic state because she's about to like, you know, things are about to go seriously wrong and she's got to figure out what to do, which leads us to birds. Yeah. Birds, um, birds were introduced in the last book, I believe. Mm. Uh, Mockingbird, I think at the end. Or, Or yeah, I guess so previously. Um, and Part of Miriam's curse is that she can have some like an interaction with birds, I guess we'll say. And this interaction that she can have with birds kind of saves the day, I guess is probably all I'm willing to say on that. Yeah, so her her weird supernatural ability, she uses that with the birds to kind of take control or correct the situation that was going to go in a seriously bad direction otherwise. Um, it's not crucial to the plot. So the fact that we're not talking about it doesn't mean you won't know what's going on, but, um, that's the kickoff, man. It comes right to people are dying and birds are flying around and stuff like in the first chapter. So, um, it hits the ground running. And then, um, after the, after all that stuff is resolved in the scene, Miriam is left without a car, needs to find her way back to, um, where she's staying and stuff. So she's like walking through the desert to a gas station to try and find a ride somewhere. Um, and convinces someone kind of convinces, I guess is a good word. There's no threat of violence or anything, but has to kind of talk someone into driving her back to the motel she's staying at, which is where we discover that she is not traveling alone. She is with Gabby who she met, um, in the previous novel. Um, there were hints, maybe, that there could be a relationship developing there between the two of them. Um, but ultimately, Gabby is along uh, for the ride with her in her desire to find Mary Stitch. Now, Gabby's a pretty interesting uh, character, because much like other people who encounter Miriam, she kind of wants to save Miriam from herself and doesn't understand that this isn't likely to happen. Um, <laughs> as, as Miriam makes clear at every possible opportunity. Um, but the two of them are are on this hunt for Mary Stitch. Of course, this interaction that she had previously um, with this woman and her child kind of come back to to bite her in the ass. Um, the 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 woman and the child get away, and the people who are looking um, for them uh, feel that Miriam is is the link. Miriam will know where they are, so therefore they they come after Miriam, and that's where our uh, cult of domestic terrorists come in. Yeah. So, um, 
Miriam, her main goal in the book so far has been find Mary Stitch, because Mary Stitch can help her with the curse. Um, And now, this cult of domestic terrorists is thrown into the mix, which just kind of confuses the situation for her, because she's like, I have to deal with these people kind of trying to be being out for me, but I still want to find Mary Stitch, and she's trying to kind of juggle. She's she's spinning plates now because she's trying to do everything at once, not really realizing possibly the severity of um, her interactions with these domestic terrorists, um, and not really necessarily understanding um, or have not necessarily knowing how, having no idea really of knowing how. Um, if she's going to find Mary Stitch, and if she does, what's going to happen when that occurs. So a whole bunch of stuff is about to happen, and we're we're kind of following multiple storylines at the same time. Um, after Miriam meets up with Gabby in the motel, obviously Miriam wants to get... Her truck was stolen, and that's why um, she had to walk to the gas station to find a ride. So she wants to get her truck back. Um, but she's also still kind of on the hunt for Mary Stitch, so she does what she can to try and find where her truck went by trying to hunt down the the woman who took it with the vague, small little bits of information she got. Um, in the meantime, she's in some sort of contact with these domestic terrorists who are trying to um, find her to get what she knows, all that. And you know, this is I'm, I'm saying things very vaguely because I'm walking a line of I don't want to spoil shit, <laughs> and it's difficult. And then can I can I yeah, can yeah. I generally Please. sum up some of kind yeah, yeah, yeah. what happens here? Um, really, the remainder of the story is you know the search for Mary Stitch um, and her encounters with these domestic terrorists. But to borrow um, a line from F. Paul Wilson in the Repairman Jack series, for Miriam there really aren't any more coincidences. Um, the group of domestic terrorists understands that people like Miriam exist. And uh, maybe some of those people are on their team, too. So what we have is Miriam on the search for, you know, Mary Stitch and then this group of domestic terrorists. There's the boy Isaiah, um, who's very important to the domestic terrorists and and therefore kind of becomes important to Miriam just based on, you know, the enemy of my enemy kind of situation, I think. Right. Um, And then, yeah, there's a lot of shit goes down, as Rob said. (laughs) A lot. Yeah, it's not like a single storyline, which I feel like kind of was the traditional Miriam Black thing. Is like, there's one main thing going on, and she's just gonna like hunt it down until it's dead. Um, some important characters, I guess we could call out, um, would be Isaiah is the kid who is important to these domestic terrorists, and um, because of that, Miriam is trying to, you know, save in a, in a way. Uh, there's the domestic terrorists, which include, and, and really, I'm just going to throw some names out, but like, there's not much we can talk about with them. Ethan Key is kind of the ringmaster of the whole thing, and Karen is his wife, who has has suffered um, like a real tragedy. Um, there's also a couple of people who may have some weird psychic abilities, and in, in line with what happens with Miriam, named David and Ophelia, who are kind of like, you know, part of the like the main crew of the of the bad guys. And then of course there's the Mary Stitch character and Mary Stitch <clears throat> we learned about we learned about at the end of Cormorant, right? Or somewhere during Cormorant. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but then Mary Stitch is really the focus of that swallow uh novella. So I, I anybody who's read the first three books and who's thinking about going to the Thunderbird book I would recommend it's uh it's in a book called Three Slices. It's three different novellas written by um this one by Chuck Wendig and then there's um a no- novella by Kevin Hearn. Do you remember where that name comes from, Livius? Star Wars. Yeah, he wrote that um Heir to the Jedi Heir of the Heir of the Jedi Heir to Heir to the Jedi. Airbag, the Jedi Airbag. And then there's one other, there's a novella written by a woman whose uh, name I don't remember. But anyway, Swallow, the novella in there, um, bridges these two stories like Livia said earlier and um, reveals some information about Mary Stitch and what she thinks that she can she can get out of Mary Stitch. Um, so yeah, then it's all just like uh, these, these, I would say these two kind of main storylines of like find Mary Stitch and domestic terrorism just kind of 
parallel and cross over and kind of smash into each other throughout the rest of the book until we get to kind of like the final, you know, kind of finishing action and stuff like that. But that's, that's really probably all we can talk about. Yeah. Um, we should mention that like the previous books, there are some interludes and that's what they're actually called. That's not us putting our term on it. Um, that, <laughs> that take you out of today's story and, and go back in time a little bit. Um, maybe to, to lend a little color or backstory to certain characters or, or things that Miriam has done. Um, a few of them, yeah, I didn't read the novella, but remind me of that because she's on the trail of Mary Stitch. So it's like people she encounters and she yep. encounters Mary Stitch's brother at one point, And, you know, so we see that. And then we have what I also think are kind of interludes, um, which are, are central um, to all of the the Miriam Black books. And that's her interactions with the trespasser. Mm-hmm. The trespasser is... Um, you familiar with the Spawn comic book at all, or the movie Spawn? Uh, like, I know I read like so. I was at the comic book collecting age when Spawn was first introduced, and I know I owned some of those early Spawn comic books. But aside from the fact that he's some guy that went to hell and then came back for some reason that I don't remember, that's all I know about Spawn. There's a clown in the Spawn comic books that reminds me of the Trespasser. Okay. Or the trespasser reminds me of that. Like he shows up just basically to make trouble and, and like fucking like like poke fun at Spawn. You, you know what I mean? Or, or or make him try to rethink things or, you know, he's kind of just like like the devil on his shoulder kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what the trespasser kind of reminds yeah. me of. Um, but but like I said, they're almost interludes in a way that that they're never really part of the central action. It, it's always. um it's like a tool for there to be an inner dialogue from Miriam, you know, like kind of you said, devil on the shoulder kind of situation. Um, so there's, there's a significant amount of that in this book too, as there have been in the previous three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trespassers neat too. Cause like the, I interpreted that basically as like, this is Miriam's way of, of processing what she feels guilty about. Um, in, in a really fucked up way where it's personified by something outside of her. I, I, in a way, I think it allows her to feel like she's entirely to blame instead of like, you know, her being able to kind of pass it off as like, well, the situation called for this, you know, kind of thing. Like she uh, likes to hate herself. And I think that the trespasser gives her a way to really blame herself for everything that goes wrong. You don't think the trespasser is an actual entity? Oh, like an actual supernatural thing? No, I think it's a mental manifestation of guilt. Interesting. I don't think it's a supernatural effect at all. Hmm. I, I could be totally wrong, but like the reason I say that is like no other character in this book, whether they were psychic or not, has ever displayed anything similar in any of the books. I mean, I'm guessing when we get to the end of the series, you know, we'll likely find out if there's like an actual. Hey, you know, tell you that... what, Chuck Wendig's going to be at StokerCon. We you now, just straight up ask him. We now have a question: Is the trespasser supernatural, or is it a man? Is it a, a psychological thing? Interesting. Yes, we'll have to track him down. <laughs> just be like, hey, <laughs> hey, you, come here. Hey, writer, question for you, writer man. We're yeah. all drunk, of course. Well, of course. What else would we be doing there? Um, um, yeah, that's it for story. I think I, I, there's going to be some stuff in spoiler talk over at Patreon.com/slash booked. Um, but. I got something about the tone of the book that I'd like to mention, if that's cool. Sure. Yeah. For anybody who's read Miriam stories, you know that it's basically someone who's, she's kind of a shitty person, but she's also just kind of a cool, edgy person, and she's kind of fun. But for the most part, just kind of skating through life. That's kind of my my impression of Miriam. This book is is noticeably darker with her the way she feels about things would you agree with me yeah yeah i mean i guess i don't know yeah i've read a lot of books since the last one so <laughs> probably like 30 this one is so. dark i i'm just i I'm, I'm trying to think back you know like was that one a lot darker uh, or is this one a lot well, dark not necessarily the tone of the book in general but like the tone of miriam the character basically like 
she's just either sad or self-loathing um, or evil. Like, she's definitely got much more of a manifestation of, like, just, like, I'll kill someone. You know, that type of, like, remorselessness that I feel like was not as present in previous books. That's true. And I, I could see where that would, let's assume this was all real. I could see where that would happen. Because remember when we picked her up, like, yeah, she could see when people died, but she really just used that to, like, Get some fun. cash. Yeah. yeah, like buying cigarettes and stuff, yeah. you know. Um, but as she gets deeper into this with the trespasser, and she's lost people, and she's come up against just nasty people. Where before, you know, you know, I, I don't remember, but there may have been mentions of like her having to like really fuck up a guy who was like, you know, maybe going to sexually assault her or something. Right. I mean, she's come up against like crime lords, and now this militia group, uh, you know. So I, I could see where where her tone would change a little bit on on how to handle some of these situations. Now that she's more experienced with dealing with like genuinely bad guys. The other thing too, and I think this, I think this is emphasized more. So a hundred percent, I agree with what you said. Like she is encountered things that are, that harden you. But at the same time, she's experienced love and the loss of love. And she's a character who's always kind of shrugged off like traditional life. But um, with Lewis or Louis, I think we landed on Louis, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, with Louis, she genuinely loved him and uh, then, and she lost him. Like he didn't die or anything, but like she, she lost him as, as a love interest. And I think that a lot of her self loathing in, in this book stems from the fact that she's dealing with the fact that like she has that absence of, of emotional, uh, connection. So a little bit more, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's more depth, a new, a new layer of depth to the character that we did. We haven't necessarily seen in previous books, uh, which is, I thought that was good, but it, it, it gives an overall darker tone to the book. It does. Do you uh, have any quotes? Uh, yeah, no, I think I had one. All right. And I hope I don't steal Livius's thunder with what I'm about to talk about, but there's no way I could let this topic not be brought up in our review of this book. Um, <laughs> vaping. <laughs> yep. Is that your quotes? Uh, I had two things marked. One, uh, a quote that, that I really liked or a scene that I really liked. And that. <laughs> Do you want to take the vaping then? Cause I, I... No, you know what? Chuck Wendig made some some really, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He made some pretty shitty comments about vaping at one point on his Facebook page and, and laugh all you want. That's fine. I don't know. I just, I, I, I thought it was unnecessary on his Facebook page. And I kind of find it unnecessary in this book too. It, all right. Um, there's judgment against vaping that goes on in this book for sure. Um, but I can't not say the quote, wake up, you crusty vaping turd. Yep. Uh, no love for vaping from that. from author Chuck, Chuck yeah. Wendig. That's okay. It's it's. I think that, and this is what I said this at work the other day because there's, <laughs> um, uh, someone had just been outside uh, of work vaping and they walked back in and then someone else walked into the area and said, "Hey, it smells like blueberry muffins back here." And they were super excited and I was like, "Yeah, he just came in from vaping." And then they were like so angry, <laughs> and so my comment was, um, "Smokers." had gained, like, a stigma. Like, they'd been marginalized over the years, like, as smoking fell out of, you know, fashion and stuff like that, and toward the end, smoking. I guess people still smoke, I guess. Do they still smoke? Do people smoke? People, people still smoke, yes. <laughs> had gone from being the cool thing to being, like, super stigmatized, right? Now, vaping is, is, is by all, you know, accounts, a very new phenomenon it's a new thing within the last probably what five years maybe a little bit more yeah yeah five years or so immediately stigmatized like there there was no grace period like it was immediately something that people would judge or make fun of out of the fucking gate like smokers were at least cool for a while vaping immediately stigmatized <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, here's what it really comes down to, because I, I don't, you know, for a long time, I, I tried to defend vaping to people who don't smoke. And um, A, it's pointless. Um, B, being somebody who smoked for 29 years and the vast majority of that, probably a pack and a half a day, um, 
vaping is uh, is a wonderful thing in many many ways. But you know what I've, I've done? I've stopped arguing with people. And I, well, no, but but I've, I've kind of just focused. The only time I ever really preach vaping to anybody is um, when I'm trying to convince somebody to stop smoking, that there's an alternative that makes it really easy. That's it. Other than that, I have no respect for anybody who talks down about it at all. Just zero. <laughs> so that's it. They have no respect for me. I have no respect for them. I'm okay with that. Did you have another quote? Um, I did. All right. I'm going to do that. Now that I got that, now that I got my... Uh, He's stepping um, off the sp- of smoke, uh, yep. the soap, yep. the soap exactly. box, the smoke smokers. box, yeah. smokers. Yeah. If you have any questions about vaping, just uh, reach out. I'll be happy to to walk you through it. Um, <laughs> at one point, did you you mentioned Ophelia, right? Yeah, as one of the militia characters. Yeah. There's just this, um, there's just this exchange between Miriam and Ophelia that I really liked, and, and Miriam says, "You're a psycho psychic with a chip on her shoulder the size of a perching pterodactyl. We're practically sisters." Yeah, I love that for a moment there was a there was a, a a a sort of psychic twin to Miriam that was really cool. I have a quote. I'm just going to give you one quote really quick and this is just to remind people what the Miriam we love, we know and love sounds like. She's just not excited about being in a situation she's in with the people that she's in with in the situation with. And this is how she this is the analogy she gives to to make them understand exactly how she feels. Every moment I sit here feels like me trying to rescue a pubic hair stuck somewhere in the back of my mouth. It's gross and uncomfortable, and I just want to pluck it out so I can move on with my life. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, Miriam is such a fun character, and she's written maybe a little to excess at times, but it's always funny. A little over the top. Yeah, and it's it's always... um, it fits her character and fits the situation. Like, it, I, it I don't think that she's out of character, right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, Miriam is a super likable person. I'm totally bummed that this didn't get to to a Stars TV series because that's something that would have been high, high on my list to to take in. For sure, um, I agree. Um, it's it's kind of yeah. It's sad that um, it's sad that that didn't happen. I was looking forward to that. I think we have to go to spoiler talk now. All right, we just got back from spoiler talk where we talked about some serious spoilers, and Livius probably judged me pretty heavily at the very end there. Um, how about wrapping it up? Why don't you start the wrap ups? Miriam Black is um, is is a great character. Um, she's fun to read, and, and with, with Miriam, although you know the the stories have varied in, in how I personally felt about them. Uh, Miriam's one of those characters that that I almost don't care about what the plot is that's going on behind her. She's just fun to be with. Um, I put, you know, Elvis Cole um, for anybody who's read any kind of like detective books in the, in that same category. Like, I couldn't tell you what the plot of one of those like seven or eight books that I read was. All I could tell you is that, it, that he's a fun character to be with, and that's how I feel about Miriam. Um, that being said, as she continues to meet other psychics, um, I'm really enjoying that. Um, the story was interesting because it touched a little bit, and I, I thought maybe it was going to go a little bit more on. We didn't talk about a ton about the um, the domestic terrorists, and maybe domestic terrorist always means like militia that's so ultra patriotic that they're ready to take out the government in in their in their patriotism, um, and maybe that's the actual definition of domestic terrorist, and I'm I'm just not familiar with it, but uh, it 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 felt timely. Um, that that we saw a group like that, I, I probably could have stood it to go a little bit more into their their thought process and stuff. Um, Might have been interesting. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to go four stars on this, and and one full star is coming off on that because of things we talked about in spoiler talk. So I can't say it here, but there <laughs> there is there is a plot device that I was not particularly thrilled with, and it it really kind of took me out of my groove in the story. So still four stars, even with that. Um, really enjoyed it. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I loved every book that that has come out in the Miriam Black series so far. And in general, everything I've read by Chuck Wendig, I've really enjoyed. I think he is a a talented writer. I think he does a great job of keeping you bought in to and enjoying a story from start to finish. And um, this book is no exception. Um, Where it... um, Kind of jumps up for me is the fact that like there's a lot more of an emotional investment. There's a lot more gravity in this story than there has been in maybe previous um, Miriam Black stories. So like 
the the her emotional state is much more present in this one than it has been in previous books. Her just kind of being unhinged, like the idea of her being addicted to her curse slash power is is definitely looked at in much more greater detail. So I feel like all of the aspects that make her life crazy are really kind of dialed up in this one compared to, to previous books. Um, but in a way that I really enjoyed. And it still carries that Chuck Wendig patented kind of like easy to read, great pace, good dialogue, really offensive words that like, I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm going to look right now. Um, or, or maybe ask Livius while I'm doing my wrap-up. See if you can find how many times the word fuck shows up in this book. I'm going to predict it's a lot. Um, so it's got that kind of casual, rough-around-the-edges kind of feel to it that it always has, but just with all those little characteristics amped up, the emotional impact, her, like, edginess and her, her willingness to do evil things or just dark things... Um, is all ramped up. But I think the story that was told was just great. It was constantly entertaining. Um, it stayed true to, to Miriam and what she is like. And it really drove her story forward. So I don't see... We've traditionally, and in, in, in preparation for this review, I listened to our reviews of Blackbird's Mockingbird and The Cormorant. Um, and I also read, reread the Swallow novella, so I was really trying to be as, as, as clear on what we talked about in the past. Five stars for every book that we read before this. Between the two of us, we both gave five-star reviews, so this will be the fourth Miriam Black book that I'm giving five stars to. 42 instances of fuck or fucking. <laughs> that's not bad, 330-something pages, so that's not terrible, but it felt like the cuss words were, were out in just as much um, power as they were in previous books. All right. Um, that puts another Wendig under our belt. Number six. Um, number six. Um, a fight will ensue when Rob says we need to review the fifth book in a series. And I'm like, God damn it. We're we weren't <laughs> ever supposed to review books in a series, let we're, alone five. We're doing Raptor in the Ren. I'm also going to try and get him to do the other Star Wars books, too. <laughs> Life, oh, Debt, and whatever the last one was. Um, let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk. All right. So here's an important thing that, that we have. Um, I don't want to say we missed. I was aware of it. And in some way in my mind, like you hear things and you don't think about how it relates to you specifically. Um, March has launched a, I don't know, kind of a, a campaign um, by a group of podcast publishers, um, including NPR, ESPN, Slate, CBS Radio, and the New York Times, um, as well as others. We're not listed in the particular article that I, I have pulled up. Um, Tripod, uh, T-R-Y-P-O-D, which is short for Try a Podcast. Um, and really, it's kind of bring podcast awareness um, to other people who don't uh, maybe don't know what a podcast is. So I haven't heard this in a while, but do you remember, Rob, year one, you'd say a podcast, people are like, oh, where could I watch your podcast? Like, I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So maybe people have a better understanding. But really what this month is about is, um, obviously, if you're listening to this, you listen to at least one podcast. Likelihood is that if you're listening, you probably listen to more than one. Um, I, it would feel great if we were the only podcast that someone that was listening to this, like, ever listened to. Yeah, well, but but here's the thing. We, we want more people to listen to podcasts um, in in general. The article I'm, I have pulled up in front of me is from the Chicago Tribune. Only four in ten Americans have ever listened to a podcast, which is really kind of silly when you think about it. Um, the number one way that people um, listen to podcasts is on their smartphone. And, and most people, I don't say most people, but a good percentage of people now have smartphones. Um, the whole point of the campaign is really to get someone to try a podcast. So... Here's what we'd like for you to do. Um, doesn't have to be our podcast, um, but, you know, if there's a podcast, if you know somebody that would be interested in a particular podcast that you have heard about or you listen to or you like, encourage them to listen and, more importantly, help them figure out how to do it because I think that might be one of the biggest hurdles people have. So yeah. uh, if uh, the person's an iPhone owner, um, iTunes is where they'll want to go, and there are thousands of podcasts available. 
Um, Stitcher is probably the, the way I would recommend for anybody on an Android device. And if you know someone who owns a Windows phone, stop talking to them. Windows phones, do they have applications? Um, yeah, I, I think they do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. sorry. Do they have applications that are not Microsoft Word? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they have. All right. Um, and if the person doesn't, and you know, there are people who listen to this podcast right on our website, which still stuns me to this day. But you know, if they have a computer, but yeah, help them out. Um, give them a direction. Point them in the direction <laughs> of something. Here, here, I will make. I will make a recommendation that is not the book podcast or ultimately anything to do with us. I've started listening to the podcast Missing Richard Simmons, which I believe currently is the number one podcast on iTunes. Um, I, I'd always knew who Richard Simmons was. I grew up through that era where he was on TV all the time. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, a couple of years ago, he, he stopped appearing in public altogether and, and just one day like stopped showing up for things and stopped doing interviews. And, and although there is evidence that he is alive and well, this is a, a podcast that is trying to find out why Richard Simmons um, did this first to make sure he's okay to get some sign of life. But more importantly, why somebody who um, had a love and caring for just kind of humanity in general would go underground all of a sudden Um, four or five episodes in it's fascinating. Um, So maybe that's something you want to recommend to your mom or your uncle or, or, or the, the, you know, guy who works next to you, who's just listening to like classic rock all day at work. Oh, am I supposed to recommend a podcast? No, no, but you can have some thoughts on this. So Richard Simmons is 68 years old. I would fucking drop out of public eye if I was almost 70 years old, too. That's all I'm saying. Like, if I was sweating to the oldies for, like, decades, at some point, I don't want to sweat to those oldies anymore. I just want to chill. I think the issue is kind of how it how it went down. And we're not going to spend a lot of time. People should listen to the podcast and find out. But ultimately, um, up until this day, he was doing. Now, you have to understand, this is a guy who's made millions and millions of dollars. And they cover some of this, like on the podcast. Two, three years ago, when, when he stopped, you know, appearing in public altogether, he was still running a class that anybody could go to that was $12. <laughs> so if you were in L.A., in Hollywood, you could show up at his studio on Thursday or whatever day it was with $12 in your hand and work out with Richard Simmons. It went from that to um, no class today. Um, you know, Richard is uh, having knee problems to Richard not doing an interview, not returning a phone call, nothing. Just like complete radio silence other than one time he popped his head up when it kind of made the news after a while for him to say, yeah, these things about me being dead or whatever, they're not true. I'm okay. I still go for walks and stuff, and that's it. All right. Well, I mean, check out that podcast. I mean, I I have this... All right, so here's the thing. I don't understand if I was... Especially if I was ever a celebrity, there would be a time in my life where I was like, I'm done with the world. I'm just going to live my life outside of the limelight. I think that that's like a completely valid thing for anybody to do. Oh, I agree with you. I would be the same way. We're just, we're not Richard Simmons. (sighs) I guess not. So um, if I did, if I was going to recommend a podcast, I am going to kind of keep it a little bit like uh, a little nepotism in here because um, it is someone that I know and love. Um, But I would recommend (laughs) Teenage Dirtbags. One of the co-hosts is Brayton Cameron. The other one is Gary Butterfield. And on a, I think it's every other week, they release an episode where they, um, it's very similar to the the book podcast, really, because what they do is they watch uh, a music video, um, usually it's from the 1990s, and then they do kind of like a blow-by-blow kind of talk about what happens in the music video, and give like a little bit of, you know, commentary on it. And um, it's just massively entertaining. Um, it's really nerdy. But, man, they are just funny people, so I would recommend uh, Teenage Dirtbags. Rob, can I recommend a podcast to you? Um, sure. Is it about Richard Simmons? Because I'm probably not going to listen to it. No, no, I'm going to go a different direction. Um, have you ever heard of the Black Tapes? No. All right, so they've been around for a while. I'm not sure what they do, but it's some type of kind of dark um, podcast. They have a new podcast. It's only two episodes <laughs> in called Rabbits. 
and it takes the uh, it takes the I don't know the 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 plot line that a lot of podcasts do lately, fiction ones where it's not somebody reading you a story. It's not a narrative. It's somebody investigating something. So it's kind of like watching mm-hmm. 2020 and hearing interviews and stuff like that. And it's about a girl who's a woman who's looking for her friend who has gone missing. And she believes it's due to a real life role playing game. That's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. A LARP. Um, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, I guess that's what you would call it. Although that just, brings images to mind that that are far less cool than what's happening in this podcast (laughs) wait you're talking about a larp that's cool um think think penny dreadful not the tv show the book the the book the will christopher bear book think more along those lines i'm not saying it's like that but more that than um guys dressed in dungeons and dragons garb all right all right um all right cool i'll check it out on your recommendation um, tripod it, t-r-y-p-o-d help somebody find a podcast that they'll love i'm not going to complain if someone recommends our podcast for other people to listen to right yeah no no i, I wouldn't either all right. all right maybe maybe we'll have another podcast to recommend eventually somewhere in this episode i'm not sure if that's right now or later um what other kind of stuff uh do we have other non chuck wendig non tripod stuff to talk about um, yeah, so um, I said earlier that there was a little bit of a delay in this episode because Rob and I have been hard at work on uh, on something else, completely unrelated to tripod, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, or a have, tripod. Yeah. yeah, we have launched our. I'm going to call it our second original podcast um, because we did uh, do some stuff for another podcast for for quite a bit of time, as some of you might remember. Um, it is called The View, and Rob is going to tell you what it's all about. So the idea of this podcast, um, I want to give Livius credit for the the idea for this podcast, because it was really kind of something he pitched to me, is that um, we, Livius and I, watch an entire uh, season of a TV show, and we post episodes where we talk about the episodes of the TV show that we watched. Now, where it differs from... Um, booked is that we want people to also view the episodes along with us and contribute to the conversation that eventually ends up in the episodes. So we've established some social media presences where the listeners of The View can go and before we record our episode, they can talk about um, in, in a conversation what their thoughts are and then we will incorporate what we can into our inevitable podcast episode where we talk about those episodes we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more at length about it in our next episode which is going to be an interlude but uh for right now you should definitely get on netflix watch a little bit of twin peaks and check out the view podcast twin peaks man i can't tell you how excited i am and also how shocked i am that not only are we doing this in podcast form but that it was livius's idea he means the Twin Peaks. That's what he's shocked about. He's not shocked that I had an idea that was a lot of work because mm. that he's used to. Yeah. Yeah. Livia's putting me to work <laughs> is nothing new. Never going to surprise me. Um, the fact that it was his idea to talk about Twin Peaks specifically, big surprise. But I'm super excited because I love the show. More about that um, next week. Um, the only other things I, I, we really need to do this episode is I want to do a couple of like listener shout outs. Um. The, of the course, first, always. Yeah, so the first one is coming a little later than it should have, and, and that's due to um, – it went to the spam email, which we don't check very often. Um, and and I'll, I'll give you an example of why. Um, currently, there are two items in the spam – well, one, because the other one we, we took out. Um, but I happened to go in there last night, just 24 hours ago, and uh, one of the messages was from the account department. So that's got to be important because, right, <laughs> like that's you have to read those. I have important transaction for you as next of kin to claim U.S. 18.37 million. Mail me on my private email, chimweakim at gmail.com. Thanks, Mr. Chim. Why? Wea, why? Oh, this is even better. So the <laughs> the email is chimweakim uh-huh. at gmail.com. But the person's name is Chim, W-A-I, Kim. Oh, Chim. Yeah. You got to be Chim. more careful with that shit. 
Yeah, so um, so that's in our spam folder. But more importantly, what I found in there, buried in the spam, is uh, is a, a very nice email. I'm not going to read the whole email, um, but from a listener named Miroslav Kaban, um, who is from the Ukraine and uh, and enjoys the podcast. So uh, Miroslav, we received your email. And uh, yes, to what you said in the email, it is possible and it's going to happen. So um, hang tight. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I am too. So um, that's uh, that's going to happen. We're not going to disclose what that is, or all you bastards will want the same thing. Yeah. Um, the, the other the other um, listener shout out a, a little overdue as well. Um, Coral Stacy on Instagram, one of the few followers we have on Instagram. <laughs> um, has been taking booked recommendations as part of her um, reading 36 books this year challenge. Um, so uh, I'm going to go with Stacy as, as a name. In Coral. Sta- is it Coral? It's her Coral. last name, Stacy. Oh, all right. All I'm right, going hey, to so. go ahead and all say right. I have met Coral. I've hung out with Coral. Mm-hmm. She's a lovely woman. Coral, you're pretty goddamn awesome. And keep it up and uh, let us know where you're at with the 36 books. Um, but more importantly... Again, what I said to you on Instagram, if you want to sum up this wheel of meat uh, book that you got going there, you know, just get in touch and, and we can make that happen, too. Whoa. I don't know if I know what you're talking about, but I want to say that she's read at least six, possibly seven books that have been recommended on our podcast just this year. So I want to say anybody who's read less than that number of books that we've recommended, A, Coral's putting you to shame. B, how dare you? Indeed. How dare you? How dare you? Hey, we have an Instagram page. Um, is account. it a page? Is it a page? It's I don't know what it is. What are you, I don't know. Are what, you from what like the, the 1990s? What are, what are the kids calling this stuff We have nowadays? an Instagram. You don't have to yeah. call it what it is. It's an account, but we just have an Instagram. Can we get on Snapchat? We have I'm, Snapchat? I'm on Snapchat. Anybody want to uh, Snapchat me? Hang on. Let me see what my Snapchat is. Send me those sweet, sweet snaps. Oh, shit. How do I find out? Hold on, I got this. It's old men in technology. Here we go. <laughs> it's Rob Olson, R O B B O L S O N. If you're on the snaps, uh, hook hook up with me. I never snap chat. I never do anything with Snapchat. I'll look at your snaps, but I'm not doing anything. We have an Instagram booked podcast. Yep. Olivius is going to start posting shit from there because he's putting he's giving me too much work. So yeah. he has so, to fucking yeah. step up and do something so, once in a while. So, so today, today, a throwback Thursday <laughs> photo. Went up. There was ever a time to start following our Instagram. Yep, that's all I'm going to say. You guys, <laughs> listen, it's totally worth it to see that amount of sexy in one snap or in one Instagram oh. or whatever the hell they're called. One Polaroid. I'm looking at it right now. My eyes don't know what to make of what I'm looking at. All I'm going to say is this is a picture of Livius and it has to be from... 19, probably like 83. My God, I was 11 years old in 83. <laughs> I was that that's uh, that's probably 19. Sorry, 89. Yeah, 90. Yep. Oh, my God. You look so much like Prince. Like, I want to just imagine that that suit that you're wearing is purple. It uh, it, it is not. I, OK, so here's what I will go on to say. I do have some <laughs> recollection of where I, I'm pretty sure that photo was taken, even though it was like 100 years ago. I'm pretty sure that that is a a black um, suit, but a very cool black suit. And I'm pretty sure the sleeves are pushed up and you can't see it in that picture. But I'm pretty sure that's what's happening right there. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I'm happy to embarrass myself in public whenever. But like Livius just taking that shit to the next level. He's going. I'm very proud of that picture. That is that is a lot of good looking in that photo. (laughs) (laughs) Just follow us. On Instagram, just look for Booked Podcast. You'll find us. Snapchat, Rob Olson, R-O-B-B-O-L-S-O-N. Find me. Send me some snaps. I'll send some snaps. And I'm not going to try to figure out Snapchat. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for um, this review episode for Thunderbird. As Livius mentioned earlier, we're going to do an interlude next episode. So we're probably going to be talking a little bit more in detail about our View Podcast new venture that we're going through. Um, I'm going to try and get some sleep. Because I've been doing a lot of work with all this. During, like During the interlude? It'd be terrible. I mean, it might come to that. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of work lately, so. Booked uh, Live we'll coming see. up and and a little special oh, something for, for maybe just for Patreon. Oh, I don't can know. Can we tease that? Yeah, we could tease it. So I'm not, 
I'm not a religious person, so I don't understand the significance of this holiday outside of like chocolate, um, chocolate, like the Cadbury. Aren't those the goddamn best? I, I can't remember the last time I had one, but yeah, I'm going to agree with you. So, um, if you are, and actually I was talking to, um, I'm talking, I'm all over the place, but I'm going to tell you, Livia, this is, I'm going to tell you a story and then we're going to talk about it to the rest of the people. As I worked the other day and someone that I work with who listens to the podcast regularly, um, was talking about how they were really excited about drunk Livius. Um, and we need to have drunk Livius more often. And then we were talking about other, you know, other episodes and he really likes the holiday episodes. And so I said, Hey, I want you to know the people that contribute to us on Patreon are going to get extra holiday episodes that are not available on the regular podcast. And he was like, fuck you for making me give you money because there's no way he wants to miss it. So, so Rob has let the cat out of the bag. Patreon subscribers will get, um, I, I think I mean, you alluded to it close enough. Um, an Easter episode confirmed are <laughs> our, um, you know, our most recent holiday, um, co-hosts, um, Jesse and Amanda, both, um, committed and, you know, Amanda may or may not be there. <laughs> Amanda's committed to a lot of things that she hasn't come through on, so we know Jesse will be there for sure. Although if if uh, if Amanda doesn't show up, I think he might pull the ripcord because he was not comfortable that one time that we had him without her. Um, but Easter episode, I'm going to be pushing for several exclu- holiday exclusive episodes for Patreon throughout the year because if my coworkers' uh, response was any um, any indication, I think that that's the way that we're really going to get the money out of people's pockets. Let's make some exclusive holiday episodes. And that's really all I care about. Pay pay us. Give us fucking money, man. We've been over six years. Can I can I just say I've been listening to a lot more podcasts lately, and by a lot, I mean like three other ones. And yeah, advertising. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how advertising works. Maybe we should save us for next episode because I know we've gone long, but they all advertise the same shit. It's that that squ- Squarespace yep. web design and um Audible.com. Oh Audible.com. Loot Crate? Like, no, no, like a fucking mattress company or a pillow company or something. Wait, is it Casper? Yes, that one. Yeah. There's Casper, and then there's also one called Ghost Bed, which is really confusing because, like, Casper's a ghost. Anyway. Yeah, it's the same stuff. There's Sometimes there's Loot Crate. Um, yeah, I, I hear you. We're not going to do that. Fuck that. We're going to take your money right out of your wallet. We're not going to make you spend $800 on a mattress. Give us $3 a month. We just saved you $797. <laughs> you can sleep on the floor. It's like having a ghost right. mattress. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're totally off the rails. You want to end this shit? Hey, thanks for listening. Remember, <laughs> tripod. Help somebody get into podcasts. Until next time, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.